OTB GAA Scale has opened the war definitely with the football pod Where are your power rankings now? The Royal Rumble that's coming our way Hurling pod versus football pod Will, you're a coward Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed Wherever you get your podcasts The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports In association with Cadbury A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support Top of it, goal! It's what dreams are made of They are going to the World Cup Finals! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I'm Kathleen McNamee and I'm joined as ever by former Ireland internationals Emma Byrne and Karen Duggan. Now I had a whole top of the show planned for uh, this week's podcast but uh, went on Instagram last night and I was just scrolling through and I was like oh it's really nice everyone's at the FIFA the best awards and then who turns up on my uh, Instagram stories but none other than Miss Emma Byrne hanging out with some of the best footballers in the world. Quite literally, I mean, I wasn't even building up to a pun there when I said the best footballers in the world. But uh, there was a bit of a Legends game beforehand that I noticed with some names that we'll all recognise, you know, Carly Lloyd, you know, Formiga, not not any big names or anything in the, the footballing world. And then, of course, on the green carpet, there she was again, <laughs> nobbing with all the best. So, Eva, do you, do you want to explain yourself a little bit to us since this came as a surprise to the podcast? You know, it was a surprise uh, for me also because... I got invited to the the actual awards night, which was grand, great. Had to go and buy a guna, which is a bit of a pain in the neck. But I said, yes, I'll go. And as I was checking checking into the hotel, one of the FIFA guys came over and he he handed me a kit bag. And I was like, what's this for? (laughs) And he was like, oh, we're playing a little game before the awards. So I was like, what? You probably thought it was a goodie face creams, spa package. I was hoping, you know, no, there were goalkeeping gloves and shoe pads. And I was like, oh my God, like I've literally nothing with me. I had my dock boots with my football socks, basically. And no sports bra either. So I was wearing like a wonder bra (laughs) (laughs) under my shirt. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God uh, that all the goals were to my... Uh, left and right so no worries there I didn't have to worry about anything coming straight at me um but yeah actually it was a lot of fun this time yeah because in Qatar it was all a little it was all a little bit serious in Qatar and I felt under pressure and I was getting (laughs) absolutely like my head eating off (laughs) five minutes but this time was lovely very nice environment nice and relaxed so yeah that was good fun we still want to know who was not fun and who is not cool come on I, I, you know what? I have to give them a second chance okay. I have to give them a second chance so is that because you want a second chance <laughs> well do you know what if they were there last night they might have gotten an earful off me <laughs> <laughs> Cannot confirm oh, nor deny. Luckily, they weren't there because, uh, yeah, I was very, I was brave last night. Put it that way. The French martinis will do that to you. Like, <laughs> you know, they they stopped serving them to us. 
They actually said no, which was <laughs> interesting. So instead of the French martinis, they started serving us porn star martinis. <laughs> <laughs> Class it up. Yeah, yeah. Without the little shot of Prosecco. So, yeah, wasn't as good. I like the way that's a grade down from the other type. That, that, that I like. No, this is a little bit more acceptable. We'll, we'll move on to this. <laughs> <laughs> I also hope the... The they probably stopped putting any alcohol in the cocktails, <laughs> you know, so that's that was probably the plan. Just putting Baraka in it or something like that. <laughs> I feel like the podcast title is completely set already. It's just like, you know, Wonder Bras and Doc Martens with the yeah. world's best. <laughs> yeah. And my fake tan. Nothing worse than a shin pad when oh, you're wearing no. fake tan. Yeah. So there was a lot to think about. Well, I did see you and Farrah Williams looking very lovely on the, the green carpet. So you must have turned it all around quick enough in time for the award ceremony. Oh, yeah. I was I was back at getting ready at like five o'clock and I had to meet them at seven. Um, but pure, I'm mortified, mortified on that green carpet. I was trying to drag Farrah with me and she was like, no, no, no. And then I made her get in the photos with me. So poor Farrah has pictures <laughs> with me in it. <laughs> When she should have been on her own, like Posey. I was like, no, you're not leaving me. Get in this photo. Um, but it was great. Really nice. Good experience. Yeah. Good night. And what about the ceremony itself? I obviously saw Mary Earps give a very nice uh, speech after her. And I think that Karen, was that was when you first realized that Emma was yeah, there? Yeah, because I've actually gone off Instagram for Lent, so I don't really know what's going on. Um, so I just thought that big twist. Twitter thing about Mary Earps' speech and I was like hey I know that guy <laughs> you looked really bored I'm not going to lie Emma <laughs> I, I, was, I was buzzing I was buzzing at that stage but what really lifted my spirits was the Argentinian fan he, I was cracking up at this dude he was like 80 odd and whacking away at the the, the drums wouldn't stop talking I got, I just got pure giddy. I couldn't stop laughing. Then me and Farah just got the fits of giggles. So for anyone who wasn't watching, was this the award where they won the best fans of the year? Yes, exactly. They they brought in, I think it was 84, 85 years old. <laughs> and they brought him up to the stage. And, you know, I was translating for Farah. I felt, uh, I was all proud of myself. I can understand this. I couldn't really understand. I was making a lot of the stuff up, but it would have made sense completely. Um, But he was so cute. And do you know what? We were just laughing so much because the guy needed help getting up the steps. He had his his walking stick um, and he was in a wheelchair. So he was really struggling, you know, to keep his balance. And then he's there standing with his massive drum and nobody <laughs> took it off him when he was finished. They made him walk with it. And I was like, oh, my God, take <laughs> the drum off. He's going to go down the steps. Uh, so I got really anxious and, of course, giddy. So then we couldn't stop laughing. But it was he was very entertaining. Well, it sounds like a, a generally good night all around. Was there any other observations that you had from being in the room that those of us uh, unlucky folk who don't just get randomly invited to these lovely events might not have seen? <laughs> um, not really. I mean, everybody, it's quite a nice environment. Everyone knows each other. I, I, I don't really know that many people there, but everyone <laughs> seems to know each other. And 
just you know chatting chatting with the lads you know towards the end of the night we all got very friendly and it was great crack all together and you know with Farah she knows everyone so and her agent knows everyone so we were drinking with Jermaine Genus afterwards and Cloud Makalele and we were having a great little chin wag uh, the two of us (laughs) so yeah it was just nice normal people like to drink bit of crack that's it can't beat it. It's an all-round very nice way to spend a day slash evening, I have to say. Better than what you're normally doing on an evening anyways, which is recording the podcast with us, which I'm sure isn't half as entertaining. <laughs> to mean. <laughs> We're dead out of ten. What can I say? My internet is, is acting up a little bit, so yeah. if, I, if I'm delayed, I apologise. Okay, you actually have the good things to say. So me and Karen will will, will hold our ground and then yeah. leave a little time where you're like lagging behind just to make a little bit of funny and then you won't have time to come back in against us. So it'll yeah. all be good. <laughs> um, it's actually very fitting that Emma was at the FIFA Awards last night just because we were going to do a bit of an international roundup with the fact that the WSL is only back this weekend. Um, so we will be doing that a little bit later in the show, looking at how... Some of Ireland's competitors have fared so far, looking at the the general uh, madness that has been the women's football world the last couple of weeks in terms of strikes and various different things happening. But first, we did want to also turn a little closer to home and do our annual question to Karen. It kind of it goes weekly and annual depending on what stage of the tour or the year we're at. But uh, preseason, or what state my mental health is in. If it's safe to ask me these questions. (laughs) I don't know how safe it is right now, but obviously the league does kick Pre-season, I haven't been broken by it yet, so ask away. Yeah, yeah, you've actually been pretty good, to be fair. I definitely remember you complaining a lot more in previous years, so... I never complain. No, (laughs) you have have the wrong person. Wrong Karen. Is this a a good sign for females' chances this season, Karen? I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen. Or actually, in the should I be giving you your uh, full term of a uh, captain, Karen, for the rest of the? Yeah, week? I'd I'd like you to refer to me as that just permanently, if that's okay. No problem. Um, you've intro is sorted. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I honestly have no idea just because of how much things have changed across the whole league. Um, you're seeing like shells signing girls from America and treaty signing girls from America and. This preseason, we kind of stayed away from playing each other, which was good. We kind of played Northern Irish teams more so. Um, so they were good challenges. But yeah, I have no, I couldn't predict it. I mean, the President's Cup was on last weekend and Shells looked like they were going to stomp away with it in the first half. And then Athlone came back and won it on penalties. Um, so I don't think you can really tell what's going to happen. But I'm I'm excited for it to start because... No one really likes preseason today. Emma, did you like preseason back in the day? Loved it. I loved, loved it. it. Do you know why? Because I, I was always the fittest and the fattest. The, fa- the fattest. Oh. The fastest. <laughs> Let me just get my words out properly. Uh, I was the fastest, so I loved it. Used to be buzzing. Buzzing going mm. back. Pre-season. Can't say I've ever taken the title of fittest and fastest, but... Fair play to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting the first round of games. I think Piment against that loan is probably the highlight of it, given 
where we both ended in the league last year, second and third. Um, and yeah, just Athlone going from kind of strength to strength and their confidence will be up after beating the champs last week. I'm not smiling. I'm not smiling at Shelburne losing him. This is just a general excitement for the league. (laughs) You're just delighted that we're all here together talking about this once again. Yeah, so if anyone hasn't already done their research, we have first game is Shelburne playing Cork, and that's at 2 o'clock, and so is Galway versus Wexford. Then at 5 o'clock, we have Sligo Rovers taking on Shamrock Rovers. They're going to be doing their first game of the new club and then we have Treaty and Bowes at five o'clock and then Athlone P-Mount at not or at seven sorry so it's kind of it's a good day of action they're kind of nicely spread out I know it's two games at yeah. the same time but kind of nice in terms of if you do want to pick one to follow along to yeah um, I would be surprised if there was too many shocks out of that I think us against Athlone is the only one you couldn't really um, call based on last year's form Um but the rest you'd kind of still expect shells, even Shamrock Rovers, even though they're new club, um, just based on preseason, you'd be looking at them and the signings that they've had to make their mark in that first game away to Sligo. Um, but yeah, it'll be an exciting year. Very hard to call. Um, I'm looking forward to it from a P-Man perspective. We've had a really nice preseason. Everything's just been nice, really good attitude. Um no injuries, touch wood. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. You're Watch just being space. far too positive about this whole thing. I'm like, something's going to go drastically wrong. Oh, 100%. Watch me get sent off now in the first minute or <laughs> something. Three match span. At least it gives us a great talking point yeah. <laughs> for the podcast next week. Anything for the podcast. Anything for the podcast. Well, I always say anything for the content. Anything for the yeah. content. Uh, yeah, no, I am. I'm interested to see how the league does this because I think there's probably going to be that sort of added element of there will be a few more eyes on it even though there's maybe not massive competition to from the league from a load of players trying to get into the World Cup squad I just think people well, are I think that more. people I think that there would have been only the shift has now been oh who can we get with an Irish passport as opposed to who can we pluck from the league who might be there or thereabouts so I think that if anyone was going to be a bit dejected by the new passport uh, crew, it will be people in Ireland, um, younger girls who are kind of on the cusp of breaking into the senior team. But hopefully um, with the home base sessions that are supposedly coming back and are going to be more consistent, that there will be more eyes on those players and in the league in general, hopefully this year. Because like I said, it's just another part of the hype around the women's team that we need to capitalise on is growing the Women's National League. So hopefully that happens. And are there, I know sometimes you mention various different players to us, like in P-Mount who are kind of coming through that are maybe like a bit younger, people might not recognise them, but exciting talents all the same. Is there anyone you would like to give a shout out this year? I should start calling it your like award at the start of the season and we'll come back to it at the end of the season and get get a few thoughts in from the listeners if you did a good mm. job or not. Well, I'm going to be obviously very, very biased towards P-Mount players. Um, We're so still terms... against bias on this podcast, no. Karen. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, I think two girls in the league who've been in previous squads, Erin McLaughlin and Jessie Stapleton, who is kind of tipped to be going to, I think, West Ham in the summer anyway. They could be 
people who are in with the shout and if they have a, a very good impact in the first few games. You know, um, Tara Hanlon as well. She's featured a good bit for the under-19s and is getting some interest from abroad. So again, just kind of a name to watch. Um, again, there's a lot of kind of under-19s, under-17s who are making the step up into senior, particularly through ourselves and... Um, Definitely Shamrock Rovers have promoted a few as well. So, But it could be a little bit soon for us to see them in senior squads. But I think with the more training that they're getting, because the league is ramping up a bit and the home base sessions are now more established, that will kind of push them on in the next couple of years. Mm. Um, but yeah, Aaron would be my female tip. It was even nice having the President's Cup at the weekend. I just thought it was a nice kind of curtain raiser. Kind of, it definitely, especially with the results and the fact that Athlone did win it on penalties, I thought it wet the appetite very nicely for the mm-hmm. start of the league. Because I think for a lot of people, sometimes the league just starts and they're, if you're not following it as consistently or as closely, you're like, oh, it's 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 come up. Whereas that there was like a nice bit of coverage around it, and I had a few people come up to me and be like, oh, that's yeah. Fun. And I've read a few articles this week that are like previewing the league, and they're really not giving Piment a chance. So that's really, really after grinding that, like, my hung gears. Up in the dressing room. So honestly, I'm waiting. To, I'm just it's in the laminator there to hang it up later. So. Emma, <laughs> <laughs> did you ever? hang up an article or see something that kind of gave you a bit of a boost whenever you were playing? Um, No, but I have, I was told before my first ever FA Cup final, we had, we'd Fulham who had gone professional that season. And I'd only been at the club at Arsenal January. So I'd only been there five months. And Marianne Spacey, told me before the game, like I did not need to hear it, but anyway, she told me before the game that I was the weakest link, that she had heard that Fulham had thought I was the weakest link and that they were really going to try and pepper the goal because they thought I was poor. So I was like, all right. And I'm thinking, first of all, I'm thinking, why is she telling me this? (laughs) And then secondly, I'm thinking, the bloody cheek of them, Mm -hmm. like the cheek. (laughs) Anyway, we won and I saved a penalty in the game. So, you know, that <laughs> kind of motivated <laughs> me a little bit. <laughs> so they got a penalty like in the 80th minute or something like that. And um, I saved it, as I said. And then we went on to score through Ellen Mag. So <laughs> good motivation for you, Caro. Yeah, you I was just going to say, I'll take that one. Yeah, I love and the way I- you always prefer going into to games as the underdogs, right? Going into the season as the underdogs, because you can only go one way, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Gives you a little bit of a push. Well, we will be watching on keenly to see how Captain Karen gets on. And of course, <laughs> now that you're captain, you're definitely going to be getting way more <laughs> rubbish from us on the podcast. Yeah, well, I'll deserve it, to be fair. I'm Maybe very I'll awkward. Be. Like, Emma, you can imagine me, like, trying to make a speech in dress room. Like, just, very awkward. I feel like a proud mammy. I'm looking at you and I haven't, I just realised what I was doing. I was looking at you and just smiling. I was like, look at her. She's, like, talking about her. She can business. speak. <laughs> <laughs> she speaks. Wow. Uh, she's talking about her players, like, as if they're they're her girls. It's her club. And I'm like, Oh, look, she's like putting her arm around them. It's very cute. <laughs> well, I hope uh, I hope you've 
cheered up since last week because I was thinking them poor girls if she goes training in that mood (laughs) after cycling home and getting absolutely (laughs) wet with rain it was like yeah look there'll be certain podcasts at different times of the month where each of us will be in different moods (laughs) that way yes that's true I like that it's a very considerate way of putting it yeah (laughs) That was irrational. It all makes for great content. (laughs) Emma, you mentioned an FA Cup final there, and obviously there was FA Cup action at the weekend. So just in case anyone was off, you know, partying with the best people in the world and some of the (laughs) fixtures, um, the big one probably being Chelsea beating Arsenal 2-0, them dropping out. Tottenham also losing to Reading on penalties, which is... Mm. Not good for them at all, considering their form. Uh, and a very interesting game between West Ham and Aston Villa, where Aston Villa came out top 7-6 on penalties. Uh, in terms of Irish interests, I read in Grace Maloney did quite well in the penalty shootout. I thought it was interesting. I was listening to um, Counterpress, which is another women's football podcast, and Jilly Flaherty was on it talking about the Chelsea Arsenal game because I think she was there to get a bit of a bit of recognition recognition she was on the BBC um at halftime after her retirement and she was just saying that watching that Arsenal squad she could never imagine having been playing with them that you know they they would lack the amount of leadership that she thought she saw at that time at, at during the game and I just thought it was an interesting perspective from her she mentioned you know Katie McCabe and she thought whenever she did play the last couple of weeks they had a bit more of that direction so she didn't see it as much on, on the weekend I think that match was on Sunday I'm losing track of my days but uh, I just thought it was interesting that we're they're also noticing it across the pond it's not just us on the podcast um, yeah so after those results at the weekend uh, our quarterfinal fixtures are also set so we have Birmingham versus Brighton Lewis versus United Aston Villa versus Man City and then Reading versus Chelsea so kind of there's, there's a lot of tough ties in there Chelsea will be particularly happy United will be happy I imagine Lewis and Reading are not all that happy at all but um those fixtures are happening on the 19th of March, so we will we will keep an eye on them as they come true. Uh, but we also want to look at the end of the international break, particularly because there is a World Cup coming up. Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it at all on the <laughs> show. Um, and specifically look at a little bit of how Ireland's group did. So Canada in the She Believes Cup, Australia in the Cup of Nations, and then we also had... Um, Nigeria in the Revelations Cup, which I keep accidentally calling the Retirement Cup. I I don't know why I just got it like stuck in my head, and I always keep going to accidentally say it. Um, I suppose one of the more interesting ones was maybe Canada, just because of everything that happened right before um the international break for them. So for anyone who may not have been paying attention to it and they have been, had an ongoing fight with their federation where they didn't want to play in this international break at all uh, and they have said already that they won't participate in games in April which is the next international window if their dispute isn't resolved with the federation and um, the federation's president stepped down yesterday with very little mention of 
any of the reasons why. And I think he's gone to a job in FIFA. So I feel like it might not be because of the ongoing strikes. Of course, FIFA were like, yeah, it's grand. You're doing a terrible job. Come on. We've got a role for you. (laughs) Do you want to head up the Visit Saudi campaign for the Women's World Cup? That's a good idea. Uh, yeah, well, I feel like that wouldn't be all that far. Actually, that's kind of disappeared. Now, I saw that the Australian and New Zealand FAs wrote to FIFA trying to seek some clarification on that, but it hasn't hasn't appeared at all. Oh, um, it'll be plunked in a couple of weeks before the World Cup, no doubt. Yeah, oh, sorry, we already signed the contracts, even mm. though it didn't matter that they'd signed contracts with the Budweiser for the Men's World Cup, and then they had to pull that, but... We shall see. We shall see what happens. Um, yeah, so the Canadian players are saying that they're not just looking for financial demands, um, but part of their whole strike is that they were not paid at all in 2022. That's what they're alleging. They're also seeking equal pay with the men's team going forward, but they also want to see equal investment in resources for their program, including increased staffing. So Obviously, something we have talked about on the podcast quite a lot is how much we uh, we support an out strike when it is done properly. I was <laughs> smiling at me. <laughs> the most strike talk. Uh, no, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, well, at least we know what they're looking for. Yeah, and they've been very clear about it. And to be quite honest, if the Canadian Federation haven't been able to put the the financial reports on the table ever, ever, there's a problem. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's all above clean. board. <laughs> very clean. And actually, I was speaking to a couple of Canadians uh, last night. Did I mention I was at the FIFA? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was speaking to a couple of Canadians last night and they made it very, very clear. Everything's very clear. They've just basically asked the board to be transparent um, and they've never done it. And they want to know where the money is, basically, <laughs> where it's going, where where it's gone, where they invest in the money. And the board haven't been able to to, to produce that. So, yeah, um, you know, it's just it's bit of a shambles really and then <laughs> and now he's moving across to FIFA I'm not going to say anything about that because I get because you want to be invited back next year I got wonderful <laughs> trips away <laughs> wonderful free trips so um no it's just uh it's very unusual but like that I'm just glad that Canada a group of intelligent girls got together they put their demands on the table and they've seen some change and now it's all about what happens next for them yeah, definitely. And like it was quite a, in terms of what was happening on the pitch, it was quite a mixed window for them. So they lost 2 0 to the US, then they beat Brazil 2 0, and then they lost 3 0 to Japan. So those results, and like I saw highlights of their games, and it, you, they were just like a little bit more all over the place than you would expect from this Canadian team. But you can also understand why if you say to your federation a couple of days before the tournament, well, we're not playing unless you show us the documents, as you mentioned there, Emma. And the federation was like, well, if you don't play, we're going to sue you all for all the money that you have and more. So you can understand why the players were maybe, that's maybe not the best window to actually judge them on. Interestingly, so obviously we announced that we're going to play France just before we go to the World Cup. Canada are also supposed to play them in the April window and Australia also just announced that they're playing France uh, just before they play us. It's like their kind of last game in Australia before the tournament starts. So 
can't seem to have just been kind of going around our group and <laughs> picking up anyone who wants to play. Uh, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to judge Canada off that window. I think uh, Australia probably a little bit easier. I thought some of the comments um, around the Cup of Nations was interesting with them. So they played the Czech Republic. They beat them four nil. They beat Spain three two, and they beat Jamaica three nil. Um, but the the comments around the Czech Republic were interesting because Tony Gustavsson, the Australian manager, was saying that that was the match that they prepared for the most to replicate their opening game against us because of style of play. Um, and he, one of the things with this Australian squad for the last few years is obviously they have world class players. You know, you have your Sam Kerr's, your Caitlin Ford's, you have these really exciting young players like Mary Fowler but they're a bit chaotic at times. And he said it was the first time he'd ever seen this team take that chaos and actually channel their frustration into a a good game. Because the for the first half, they very easily could have gone a couple of goals down, like Mackenzie Arnold, who, and this is her first game playing, um, I think in like 130, 40 games or so, or 130 or 40 days, sorry Um, because she hadn't really been replicated in her form in the WSL with the international team. And uh, apparently Sam Kerr went into the dressing room at halftime and kind of gave a pep talk. And he said it was the first time he'd ever seen her as an in-control leader, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, So they're going to... I'll give her a few tips. (laughs) (laughs) You need to tell her the exact opposite of what she needs to do, Carrie. <laughs> so when there's 80,000 people screaming at her on her first game, she loses the head completely and we win our opening game of the World Cup. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they are chaotic, though. I would I would use that adjective for Australia when they play. They're very aggressive pressers. Um they're they just don't stop like they're 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 it's just madness they do everything extremely quickly from one end to the other they transition the ball extremely quickly so I, that didn't surprise me that much um they're usually quite good at the back i know they were missing a couple of players right and i know um was alana kennedy alana kennedy wasn't playing was she and she's a big big player for them so i mean I don't want to play them, being quite honest, because yeah. I I really like them. I think they're a really good team. Uh, Gory for them is back in form. I thought she was excellent four she's years. Been really ago. good since she came back she, from having her baby. Yeah, yeah, she's been excellent. She's a really good player and finding her form. For me, Mary Fowler. I'm glad she's not playing for City, to be quite honest, because I think she could be a top top mm. player. The Irish girl. Just want to add that. Um, and I'm glad she's not playing because coming into this World Cup, she won't be ready. If he, if he does start her, she won't be the player that she should be. I don't think. Well, We're kind of clutching there, though, because we have quite a few players in the same boat. Yeah. Who will be starting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, we'll take anything we can get. <laughs> I'd love to know what style. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall and find out what style he actually was preparing for, because I'd like to know that as well. What our style is? Surely yes. it's a low, low block. Yes. Well, what he said post match was, and obviously I'm sure there's a lot more analysis that goes into this than what he lets away with on post match. But he basically said, "We know Ireland are a tough team to break down." 
he basically gave the assessment we give every time. He's like, we know Ireland are a tough team to break down, but they also find it hard to take their chances. So he was like, if we can stay patient. If it's taking chances or making chances. (laughs) (laughs) Making and taking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, sometimes there isn't all that much of a difference between the two. Um, But yeah, that's why he said the Czech Republic for them was like the prep game because they're also a team that's kind of hard to break down. And mostly played in a 4-4-2 formation for the three games. That was kind of their setup. They went for a little five (laughs) sometimes in defense. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, out of all the teams, when I was kind of looking them up, I just found them over the last couple of weeks, the most interesting ones to follow along with. And maybe it's because they're hosting it as well. And there's this extra level around it. And we got them for the first yeah, game. They're, they're a really good team to watch. I really enjoy watching them because I love a high press. I mean, as soon mm. as I see a team high press, I'm like, yes, this game's going to be good. And they do, they press really high and, and they are a bit erratic, which I quite like as well. Um, and of course, Sam Kerr is one of is the best striker, let's be honest. Uh, and she expects more from her team. Because if you look at Australia four years ago, didn't really know much about them. They were, you know, the team that came in, one of the bottom teams, the lower uh, of the rest of them. And, and they fought and they fought and they're a fighting team and they are quite a defense were a defensive team but the transition is so quick and now they've improved and gotten even better at keeping the ball and they're but they're still mad the transition is so quick yeah. the game hectic uh which I absolutely love um I'm excited to see them I don't want to play them but I'm excited <laughs> to see them play. Yeah, well, I thought it was interesting even reading some of the Australian journalists and kind of their assessment. And their assessment is basically like, we know we're chaotic, but we just need one good half of football. And we know we can, and if even you can see that even in the games they played, maybe not so much in Jamaica. Like it was a bit of a sluggish start, but they kind of got going a bit quicker. But first half against Czech Republic, quite bad. Second half against Spain, again, had that sort of chaotic, erratic thing, letting two goals and nearly threw away a 3-0 lead. So maybe that is something for us to, if we can manage to hold out on, could be interesting. But yeah, I do feel like they're definitely... And also now that they have a few more players scoring than uh, they did before, because they were a bit reliant on Sam Kerr for a long time there. But you look at like who scored Rasso... Forge. They also got two out of Pulkinghorn, the uh, who became Australia's most capped player during the tournament, who plays uh, in the back. So, a bit like ourselves, they're they're not adverse to a good old centre back coming up and bringing <laughs> 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 in a few goals. Um, and then finally, we had Nigeria, whose results I found interesting. So they lost one 0 to Mexico, lost one 0 to Colombia, beat Costa Rica one 0 and seemed like a team that was still in flux and kind of finding their feet a little bit. And just even those score lines, I was kind of like, mm, it's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't even look at them. You... I wouldn't, I wouldn't even prepare mm. to play against them. Cause you do not what you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> you really don't like literal extremes with this team. So we just have to hope they're on one of those mm. bad days of theirs. Um, they never have their full team together, never. So, I mean, the results is just, I wouldn't even look at them, to be honest. Um, and yeah, we could beat them 6-0. 
or we could lose 6 nil, And that's <laughs> literally the reality of it. <laughs> sometimes they're absolutely whoopsky and then sometimes they're absolutely brilliant. So there's no preparation for Nigeria. If anyone wasn't already excited for the World Cup, I'm sure they will be after this podcast where we've just played up the chaos of the Yeah. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then finally just to touch on um one of the the stories that kind of developed a little bit today one of your pals that you were whining and dining well i don't know if you're actually whining and dining with you're in the same room as last night emma was wendy reynard who announced that she was stepping back from the french team because she didn't like what was going on and um, she said that she can no longer support the current system and that her face may hide the pain but her heart is suffering and I don't want to suffer anymore it was a very heartfelt statement from her and then Diani and Marie Antoinette Katoto also came out afterwards and said they weren't going to play in the um, World Cup uh, no one actually named Diakra in this but with the general history of the French team you can you can imagine where it was all going Interestingly, there was talk yesterday that yeah, so there was a meeting of the French executive committee today and they said that the elite was, she was going to step aside. Um, but then the French Federation released a statement saying they would like to reiterate that no individual is above the institution that is the French national team. And instead, a panel has been put in place to decide by March 9th. Just kind of like, you know, it's a World Cup year. There's not a whole lot of time to mess around here, guys. Um, what will actually happen and what needs to change in the system? And it's just funny when you look that basically there's nearly a starting 11 of very, very good players, including like the top French national scorer, men's and women's, who just don't want to play for the team anymore. And the French Federation are just kind of like, Shrug shoulders. What can we say? Um, so much I, I like... I find it really frustrating, to be honest, because, you know, we're in this movement at the moment of women's football is... We're nearly there. I mean, we're going to be fighting forever. Mm-hmm. But we're nearly at a point where it's, you know, it's just exploding and it's incredible. And then you've got, you know, these players like Spain and, and the French girls, which is, for me, very similar, They're what they're doing... And they're not being specific as to what they want or what they don't want, more importantly. And I'm not sure how to think about it. Like, if they don't want the manager, be honest about it. We don't want the manager. We feel that she's not going to take us uh, to the next level. She took the captaincy off me when she came in. <laughs> and I can't stand her for that. Whatever, whatever. And it's the same with the Spanish girls. What do you want Say what you want, say what you don't want. And then like, then if you can't, you know, if the board aren't going to come together and, and discuss it and make a decision what's best for the team, well, then you say, okay, well, I can't play because I don't want to play for this manager. Simple. But- yeah, and I think with the French situation, it's different. It's obvious that it's the manager. It has been since the Euros, like you're leaving behind, who was it? Henri and Lesamir and like I mean there's been issues there for a long time it's a World Cup year address it before now another thing like this like they're they're not going to say that and neither are the 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 Spanish girls I said it before me as a manager why would they stay because they have this group of players you're going into a World Cup if five of my players never mind 15 if five of my players my best players especially wouldn't care about the other 
no, then no, five of my best players are like, I don't want to play for for her in a way, in a roundabout way. So I'd be like, okay, that's it. I'm not I'm not gonna take this this team to the World Cup and and get to where we, we should be getting without those players. So it's either them or me. It's not gonna be me. They're still there. The managers are sitting there and they're talking about bringing in new players and building. No, it's not a club team. It's a national team. It's the country. These are your best players. I don't understand their mentality either. I don't get it. It's just a pride thing, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, but this is this is one of my things Mm. with managers these days. It's all about them. It's their ego. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think you're particularly right. Like on a national team, it's ridiculous. It's not about you at all. Whatever about egos in the club game or whatever and wanting to progress your career in that way in a national team. Oh, and you know, what? I'm going to go off script here a little bit, but just speaking about this, when managers come into a national team and want to bring the youth through <laughs> and get rid of the older experienced players... That's about their ego. It's not about developing players. It's about the manager's ego because they want to be the one to say that they've developed this player. Yeah, we broke through this player and that player. And let's be honest, we saw a lot of it in our last years. And a lot of those girls brought in too young and are no longer playing football at that level. I don't know why you're speaking like that, Karen, but I totally agree. <laughs> I'm just saying like, yeah, I agree. I'm just agreeing with you. I just think it's, yeah, the ego <laughs> thing needs to be it's parked. Crazy. I'm just, I'm venting here. Just <laughs> and also the World Cup isn't the year for development. It's never the year, is it? You've got <laughs> a very short lifespan in football. You can't just brush players aside like, especially with the national team, because it's your team. You can't go to another team. Like, it's, I don't know. I don't and know. on that excellent note, we end today's <laughs> slightly chaotic podcast. <laughs> um, the Koi Gang podcast on O2E Sports is brought to you by Cadbury FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Uh, we will be back next week with the WSL in our normal running order, and uh, hopefully we will be a little less chaotic in our thoughts because uh, I feel like we hit on so many different topics. Normally we have about three for a podcast. We it was an Australian themed podcast. Chaos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all it We're was. paying homage <laughs> to the world. <laughs> yeah. The excitement. Uh, Karen, thank you very Captain Karen, thank you very much for being here. Emma, thank you very much for joining us after your big night out. Uh, I look forward to the next one and hearing all about it. <laughs> The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.